Welcome to Rex Factor! This week, the 10th Anniversary Special, Part 1. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello! Hello! And uh, welcome to Rex Factor, where today we're not reviewing all the uh, Queen and Prince consorts of England, but instead we are celebrating our 10th anniversary. Wee! We're 10 years old, G-Man! I know, we're podcasting for 10 years. That is positively geriatric in podcast terms. (laughs) It is, yeah. Um, So it's actually technically a bit longer than that, so we're recording... What's the date today? Uh, 18th? 18th of August, uh, but it's actually the 12th of August when we started um i was a bit confused looking at the dates because the backgroundy stuff and alfred the great both seem to have been published on the 12th of august oh so i was thinking either there was a problem with backgroundy stuff and it was actually the week before but then i redid it and then it was a week later or i wasn't able to publish it initially and then we just did two at the same time because obviously we didn't actually have any listeners so it didn't really matter both sound incredibly likely, don't they? Given our technology, uh, you know, there was bumps in the road early on. Mm. But, uh, well, I've got so many questions, Graham, because um, <laughs> I was going to ask one there, but I think knowing you, you've got a great structure that will guide me through this because um, it feels like um, we're doing This Is Your Life, uh, <laughs> but I'm in the chair and you're telling me stuff that <laughs> happened to Rex Factor. I'm reminding uh, you of what happened in your life. Yeah, as you got instead of the big red book there, you've got is that a it's black book? Yeah, oh no, it's your yeah. it's your Mac book. No, well, well this is no this iPad. is the iPad. Yeah, rather than a red book. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do today? This is part one, which uh, implies that there is going to be a part two. So in this episode, what we're going to do is have a little chat between ourselves about some of our memories of all of the uh, series and things that we've done. Uh, over the last 10 years. Um, I'm also going to explain uh, a Twitter poll that we're going to be doing for all the English monarchs uh, over the next month to see whether or not people agree with what uh, was the verdict last time, whether Henry II will still be the champion or if someone else will come out on top. Uh, And also we'd like you to send in uh, your memories, any favourite quotes, favourite monarchs, favourite episodes, how long people have been listening. I thought that might be quite fun to know, Mm. see if we can find out who is the... uh, the longest serving Rex Factor listener. Did anyone listen in that first week mm. when it came out, other than people that we know? Yeah, I wonder. Wonder what that. I mean, that's got to be in- impossible that anyone, apart from the people that we knew, listened, isn't it? It's highly unlikely. Highly legally. unlikely. But so there must be an earliest one, as you say, like maybe yeah. the second week. Yeah. I'll so, place bets on the sixth. Okay. So let us know when you first discovered Rex Factor. I mean, you know, if it was two weeks ago, then you're probably not going to be in the run. <laughs> it's like a uh, lowest uh, bid auction or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> is. Am I worth writing in? You're definitely worth writing in. Do it. <laughs> um, have you ever listened in stranger or exotic places? So, you know, like up a mountain, underwater, mm-hmm. in space. Mm. Oh, well, let's get in space. That would be very cool. Um, and also how you discovered us, you know, was it just, it, which is actually just generally quite a useful thing to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've covered up a load of market research, just really fun things to do. <laughs> but 
But yeah, were you just scrolling through? Did you read a review? Was it recommended by a friend? Anything mm. really that you'd like to share? Um, so first of all, though, we're going to have see what we can remember of the show, which might involve me having to do one or two prompts for Ali's benefit. Well, now, I was thinking about this uh, the other night in bed. Uh, don't know why that's important. There's a severe danger that this show could descend rapidly into, look what Ali can't remember. <laughs> I really want to um, really want to stress that I, I do remember some things, and um, <laughs> but I just it is just terribly useful having Graham as like a memory hard drive. So thank you. <laughs> Would you like some stats about ten years of Rex Factor? I. Uh, love a stat uh, late. Graham, a uh, bit of a peek behind the scenes here. I've been slaving over some spreadsheets, um, yeah. <laughs> of which Graham is lord and master. Um, so I had to ask him for some help. And lo and behold, maybe 10 minutes later, something I'd have spent six hours trying to do once, <laughs> instead of just oh, blitzed it for me. So thanks to you, G-Man. I love a stat. It was funny when you when you sent that message through, and you uh, it was something like Graham, do you know how to make a chart in Excel or something like that? Yes, it, was, it, was, like, it was. Yeah, it wasn't is like when is this? A... <laughs> no, but I was thinking after all that time working on it, it might be a really complex question like how do I um conditional format uh da 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 how do I graphically uh, represent a conglomeration of data? <laughs> yeah, a... No, it's just make me a chart. <laughs> So yeah, thinking, so you hey, thought is there a funny way I can do an answer, and in the end, I just said yes, <laughs> <laughs> because that's yeah. basically my job. Yeah, it turns out I have no idea what you do for a living. Why <laughs> <laughs> do I'm not sure. I'm terribly, you know, certain on what I do. So, <laughs> you know, there we go. Anyway, guess how many um, episodes of Rex Factor we have made. Not oh, including this one. That's quite, that's quite a sort of basic fact, isn't it? 160? So the main podcast, i.e. the freely available episodes that everybody can get, 174. Oh, wow. That is too bad. Well. Excluding, uh, I'm excluding from there a couple of free specials. We've done 48 episodes of the Privy Chamber, which is the bonus podcast available to those who donate monthly. Really? 18 special episodes, which are the ones... 18? Yes, one-eighth of the special episodes, so those are the ones that people can either purchase, um, which are the bumper two-hour ones, or you can get them as a Privy Councillor at a certain level. All in all, add them all up, 240 podcasts. Wow. But anyway, that's 240 episodes uh, in 10 years, so that's an average oh, right. of uh, 24 episodes every year, so uh, not... two a month. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. We must have been blitzing it some months. Well, I mean, in the early series, we were going ridiculously quickly, which uh, many people might have noticed has not been the case <laughs> <laughs> recently, for which uh, we apologise. But yeah, there was a point where we did... It was something like Henry III, Edward I, Edward II, and Edward III in consecutive weeks. God, imagine how much time we give to uh, Edward III now. I know. <laughs> Take months, and yet somehow I did all the research, put it together into notes, we recorded it, I edited it and published it in a week. But obviously less than a week, because I needed time to do the next one. Blimey. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what that shows. 
just how much time kids take. <laughs> also, how much more research I do now than I did then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes. Both of those things. <laughs> anyway, some more stats for you. Mm. Uh, what is the total time of the main Rex Factor podcast episode? So initially just talking about the free main podcast feed ones. Total time? Total time. So if you and add up all of the episodes... 153 or something. So the 174 on the main feed. Oh. 250 hours. 175 hours. What? Oh, there was really small ones as well. Yeah, so it's about an average of one hour. Which, if, you were, if we were to plan this, one every other week of an hour long. Yeah. Spot on. Mm. So that's uh, seven days of consecutive listening that you can do just of our main Rex Factor episodes. I thought it would be more than that. I reckon if you'd condensed all the time that we've spent together in front of microphones... The recording time is significantly higher, but it's because I edit them. Series one was 80 hours long. Mm-hmm. So it's an average of 58 minutes per episode. Series 2, 68 hours, with an average mm-hmm. of 1 hour and 2 minutes. And Series 3 has been 26 hours so far, also 1 hour and 2 minutes. That's fantastic. Who do you think is the monarch with the longest single episode? Victor- oh, uh, single, single episode. episode. No idea. Um, but so I'm just thinking about where we would have been during our recording career when we did mm. someone like uh henry the second we probably still gave him because of the lack of sources and stuff about the same amount of time as uh george v or something uh so who's relatively modern and also a biggie elizabeth first it was james the sixth of scotland really? so from series two one hour 31 minutes Oh, it's pretty close though, wasn't it? Yeah. What about the shortest episode for a monarch? Ieth. That is correct. It's hashtag. Remember, Ieth. Nineteen minutes. That's amazing that we got uh, nineteen minutes out of a medieval tweet. I mean, I suspect that most of those minutes were spent on people sending in messages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, you could give us the entire episode now, Graham. Exactly. Uh, the shortness of his reign has bequeathed nothing memorable to history. God, I can never remember quite how, like, how much of a burn that is. It is <laughs> it's awful. Uh, but of course, Victoria is the one who got the most episodes dedicated to her. Five episodes for Victoria, six hours and 22 minutes. Ah, uh, do you know what? And there's six hours and 20 minutes of her diaries. <laughs> and that's, I do course, miss your voice of her, though. And that's, of course, excluding her appearance in the playoffs. Yeah. And the special episode we did about the Maoris that went to visit Victoria. So if we include those, I mean, she's more than treble the next closest. Anyway, how about if we add all of the Rex Factor podcast episodes, so uh, Privy Chambers, special episodes, etc., put them all together, what do you Mm. think our total published output is? Uh, uh, It's knocking on closer to... Eight days. It's 265 hours, which is 11 days. Whoa! 11 days. For those Privy Councillors who've got all of the Privy Chambers, all of the special episodes, you have 11 days of constant podcast listening. 
Wow. So that includes our uh, nonsense ramblings when we're in the car and stuff on the tour. It does. I'd like to listen to those again. Yeah, so the main podcast, as I said, 175 hours. The Privy Chamber, 50 hours. Mm. Uh, Special episodes, 41 hours. That's a good balance. Mm. So the longest ever episodes are William Marshall, Empress Matilda, both special episodes, and Privy Chamber, 46, Matilda of Flanders, all of which two hours and 26 minutes long wow so what i thought we could do where were we in 2010 when we started podcasting uh my old flat we were indeed we were recording on my table in the living room yeah you were lying down on the sofa i seem to well yeah help the audio (laughs) (laughs) i sort of you know i don't know what my thoughts were around that why why would i have done that Comfy, I suppose. Yeah, I think that was main, your main motivation. Yeah. Need to get back into that, especially when I were distance podcasting. I could do this in bed. And particularly with, like, you know, the headset thing that I've got. If you've got a nice headset thing. I mean, I could actually comfy. do this as I do my day-to-day life, my job, whatever. I just have you, like, on a uh, yeah, on a phone call. Loop. And I'll uh, just, yeah. You could get me in the background going, um, yeah, no... Yes, with ketchup, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've probably talked about this before, but one of my favourite things when we started and we were recording that, because um, we talked about how we were going to do the podcast, we got some ideas for what was going to go into it, though that initial backgroundy stuff obviously wasn't a monarch. And I remember that I was Sorry. going through my notes mm. and talking about stuff, and then I remember you saying, oh, well, you've, you've really done some research here. <laughs> and I made thinking, well, yeah, but what did you think was going to happen if I had <laughs> and I think that was the moment where you were like I see how this works now okay this could be a thing you're doing research <laughs> you're doing the work oh this has legs because I, I have see. not because <laughs> I was about to tell you how I'd brought nothing but you knew that that's fine <laughs> um, I would like to go a little bit further back please Ooh. Graham mm. why did we think this was a good idea like, what was the first... I know we have this story that we say when people ask the question, and we've been asked it a number of times on radio and stuff, mm. but at what point did it definitely become serious beyond us chatting in the park? I always say it's like a hobby that got out of hand. <laughs> when did we think... When did, I mean, it just takes a lot of balls to think, actually, yeah, I think we're... <laughs> we'll do this. We'll, we'll do this. People might find this interesting. I think we we had the conversation. I think I went away and looked up saxon monarchs on wikipedia and thought oh i think there's some fun stories here and i would have seen things like well this alfred sounds impressive and Mm. would have seen about edwig and the threesome and thought oh that's a fun story yeah and then then we thrashed out ideas for the factors which it's funny how they've become such a significant part of our lives and the relatively limited amount of time that we actually (laughs) spent i mean incredibly so the amount, it, probably the amount of time it took to eat a Boots meal deal. <laughs> and then back to work. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, I guess they just fancy putting it out there and did. But then I would have gone back to work and we'd have walked into the same building. I'd said cheerio and wandered off down one corridor. Yeah. Uh, and that was my initial input. You know, right, well, I've put that to bed. But yeah. you went away and actually did it and said chivied me along to a computer and said come on yeah. speak yeah that's good 
That's good. I'm pleased you did that. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for doing very different for the podcast if I hadn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is... I mean, that is probably the most important element of this our entire history. <laughs> Infamous. We're, we did a lot of... There was a lot of email chat because that's how... Because I haven't got them now, but I dug out a while ago. I think when we did our Q&A episode, I dug out where we were trying to think of a name and that's where infamously oh she's a lady yeah by quite the lady oh yeah not she's a lady <laughs> can't remember what time it was, on the one hand at what t- point we thought oh this is actually really something that's got legs and is going somewhere but then there were lots of times where i think we thought oh this is really going somewhere and then it didn't mm. quite go where we thought it might go like mm. every time we got featured like i remember we were in the radio times one week or something and Oh, it's over the moon with that on the um, Jubilee anniversary yeah. edition. Oh, I've got so many photos of me holding that uh, <laughs> magazine cover. I've got about six copies still stashed away. And every time one of those things happened, we thought, this this is the moment. Yeah. This is where Okay, here we go. <laughs> Dust off the gloves. You know, and the, yeah, exactly. And then uh, I wasn't immediately on um, Channel 4 hosting <laughs> a history show, but... <laughs> Back in G-Man's flat, which was by then uh, um, Rex HQ, wasn't it? In your first flat in Chelmsford. Yeah, so the funny thing is, although I'm, we're effectively, we are still a Chelmsford-based podcast, but you went a bit, Ill, well, you didn't go that dramatically all over the place, but you left Chelmsford. Yeah, I'd, well, I did some quite dramatic scurrying around different houses in London for a while. I changed, uh, I moved house every six months for about four and a half years, which was horrible um uh so we're always recording at yours i was coming back wasn't i because which was a long way conceived of it was a big journey that you had to do every time for the recording yeah we must have thought that i mean i've always had fun uh doing it anyway it was worth it even if it we didn't think it was going anywhere. i think i think i remember saying in an interview that uh what are you most pleased about rex factor and you know what I'm like and how unreliable <laughs> at times I can be. And I really think it's that when I left that job where we were working together, it was the fact that it we it was like I had in a timetable, go and have fun with G Man <laughs> for this hour and I'd be like, All right, gotta go, you know. It provided a structure to our friendship yeah. that I fear I might have just, you know, just stayed in London because you're not gonna fancy driving out to Essex mm. every night, but it was every night. <laughs> <laughs> well however long yeah it was good that was the point i think when i i can't remember where it was we got to but there, I remember there was one one that we got to and i thought you know i think we're going to do this i think we're going to get all the way to mm. the end because i think maybe when you were in london that was the point where it could have slipped because mm. we were probably about only about halfway through maybe maybe slightly less than halfway at yeah. that point so that was the point easily where if we just hadn't quite been able to fit the recording in you'd been a bit too tired Mm. We missed a few that it could have just petered out. Well, and I suppose then the next big thing was me having that prang on my bike, which did mean it petered out for quite some time, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, but but strangely, I think gave a whole level of motivation to come back. Mm. Yeah, because uh, then we got all the lovely messages from uh, exactly. all the listeners and that yeah. sort of thing. The special Ali history according to Ali episode. You, I mean, you're all marvellous Rex fans, really. Absolutely golden to a man. Woo, man. And uh, there's been quite a few things that have happened to us. Obviously, you had your uh, 
accident you just mentioned. Mm. Four children, not you. <laughs> combined. Four children. That's yeah. that's something, isn't it? Mm. Four people, four new people in our families have have existed since. The, actually, no. If you include, well, I don't think the listeners care about my nieces and nephews as well. But <laughs> it's been quite a few. Uh, it's quite been quite a ten years. Mm. It certainly has been a big ten years. Uh, so what we thought we'd do now is have a little run through ten years of Rex Factor, kind of going series by series and seeing. What Ali can remember without the benefit of your messages to actually get him going. English monarchs. So obviously, when we started, we weren't doing all of these extra bits and bobs. We were just very simply reviewing all the kings and queens of England, from Alfred the Great to Elizabeth II. God, that sounds so weird, you saying that, um, (laughs) without going, oh, no, I mean, uh, that was a legitimate use of it. It was, it was. It's nice to say it again. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird thinking back. It's, it seems such a long time. Well, ten years ago, obviously, uh, mm. when we first started it. But yeah, I I I couldn't have imagined that we would have still been doing it ten years later and still been finding new things to review and talk about. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. What would I've ten years back then? Because when people always say, "What's your five yeah. in five years? Where do you see? Where do you see yourself?" But. Now, I do see us doing it in 10 years. <laughs> but we'll probably be using a Zorbatron to disseminate it direct to the um, <laughs> cochlea or whatever. Who are you looking most looking forward to? Because sort of one of the things people, some people sort of really like is finding out about the monarchs that they didn't know anything about and then finding out that they're really good. So like William IV is one of those that people enjoyed quite a bit. The sailor mm. king with the pineapple head who stole the navy. Yeah. Who, who was I most looking forward to before we set off? Yeah, before we set off. I mean, there's one obvious example. Yeah, but. an obvious one. Um, so, well, definitely Edward, yeah. But, hmm. Hmm. I quite want, liked the, um, well, with a sense of trepidation when we got into the Wars of the Roses. Because mm. um, that needed a bit of clearing up in the old um, brain case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yes, yeah, so that was quite that was quite fun. But um, I think yeah, most surprised by William the Fourth uh, and Third, and uh, by my love for the naughty Georgians. <laughs> Even William the Second, I suppose, William Rufus with his pointy shoes and mood lighting. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did enjoy him, didn't I? Yeah, all the Williams—they're all good, aren't they? Mm. Oh, what was the question? Uh, the one looks that you were looking forward to. Oh yeah, yeah. But also, you've done the surprise. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. We are going to do a bit of rambling. Reminiscing is a bit of a ramble, isn't it? Who are you not looking forward to? I can... Uh, straight away, Victoria. Were you always not looking forward to it, or is it just in hindsight that you now... In in hindsight, I realised that my hunch was correct. So I definitely know more, and it just confirmed what I suspected. Uh, wasn't so looking forward to... Um, the Victoria for other reasons like the lot of the Prime Ministers back and forth um, when we'd just come out of a um, great big fun time mm. was a, I was a bit in uh, yeah had some trepidation about yeah all the others there's always something there's something fun about them I wasn't looking forward to the Georgians gotta say. what yeah, because I sort of thought once the Stuarts are over, I th- I was worried that that was going to be the end of kind of fun, proper kinging and queening, and it was all just going to be a bit 
just politics and very staid court etiquette and it was going to be difficult to maintain the funness oh man that was that was capital fun time for me i love that well we start, we're like yeah. really reaching across the world as well yeah well i guess what happened is that the politicians took on all of the politically stuff and then the monarchs just either got in the way or just <laughs> did other things yeah that's true yeah they were the fun the most fun bits hmm. i think that like the when you know when all of a sudden the monarch has been told just don't worry we've got this and it can go one of two ways uh often spiraling out of control <laughs> and that's brilliant or just obscurity which is dull who did you think was going to win the series before we start i mean i suppose we couldn't have initially even managed and we'd have got all the way to the end and had a playoff but who would you have thought would have been considered the best monarch by the majority of the listeners I I presume I reckon I presumed Henry hmm. Henry VIII sorry I reckon because it was our whole um, methodology was almost to say look you know we kept talking about the front cover of a book would have yeah. him on it hmm. um and that uh, you know we, I I <laughs> I wanted to oust him from that position and you're a big time <laughs> Henry fan uh but but yeah no I think what all we learn is that the Rex fans are actually a proper discerning bunch they won't get at all swayed by who's on the cover. They have their own favourites, quite rightly. <laughs> yeah. They are. They don't judge books by covers where I do. <laughs> it's instructive, though, the fact that there, when, when you said Henry, I did immediately assume you meant Henry VIII rather yeah. than Rex yeah. Factor winner Henry II. That's, there you go, yeah. <laughs> even now. Or even a, a massive one like Henry V. If that yeah. were any other regnal name, hmm. he would be the poster boy for it. Yeah. Apart from Edward, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Who are you, who are your fa- favourites going into this? I think I would have assumed probably starting off Henry VIII for that same reason that he's just so kind of all defining mm. and so mm. influential and so dominant. Um, but that's the thing, I suppose. Maybe maybe Elizabeth the first. Yes, you know when I was peering off into the distance just then, I was thinking Elizabeth. <laughs> really was that that actually of the two. She is the one that really should be remembered in that a successful queen trying to heal a country, great big events like the Armada, mm. and wasn't a total pain in the bum like Henry. Or pain in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that um, Elizabeth got a good run at it. Mm. I, w- th- I wish we'd sorted out that we'd just gone... And sorted out the sound early on and gone like yeah. full on with the equipment. But I suppose actually 10 years ago, they're an awful lot more expensive than it is even now. Cause especially because yeah. it's a, a a well-trod path, the podcast. Someone has offered to have a go at um, remastering the old we episodes. We should totally let them. Oh, that's why you're asking for that old backgroundy stuff file. Yeah, just because we've lost the mm. first two for the original recordings. Mm. Okay. But that would be good if we could do it. That Yeah, yeah. but that's my other regret is that you know, all obviously all the series of Rex Factor are equal to the each other and there's no sense in which one is primary. But mm. it does feel a bit annoying that our in some ways our worst episodes will be the biggies of like the English monarchs. Right. In terms of the well, in terms of the sound quality, in terms of our 
Oh, ability. How we yeah. do it, how much research I'd done. But I think there's an element of um, people enjoying watching the... being part of the journey from two fellas going, hello, what's this on? <laughs> hello. To now, you know, we've been doing it for ages. And I think you can sense a lot of that. Um, so if we ever did release them, I'd like to do them as... Uh, like remasters rather than removing the original. Yeah, revisited. Yeah, it's technically it's not a favourite memory because uh, I don't remember mentioning this on the podcast, but it's the kind of thing that would have been had it been mm. available. Um, Sarah Stanford on uh, Twitter forwarded me a tweet which has uh, a lovely anecdote about Charles II, mm. um, which is apparently he once invited the members of the Royal Society to explain to him why a dead fish weighs more than the same fish alive. Is that true? Well, so all these top scientists gave yeah. him all these incredibly subtle and various explanations about why this could be and how this might be explained. And he listened to all of them, and then once they'd all finished, he pointed out to them that it doesn't. Oh, he's just doing a, doing a funny? Yeah. Oh, tricking them into revealing their uh, vanity by deciding yeah. they could explain it. Yeah. That's br- I love that, man. <laughs> it's like an emperor's new clothes. Yeah. Oh, lovely. I think he is my favourite, actually. Really. When it comes down to it. For the funds. Yeah. There's the penguin, there's the others, there's Edward, obviously. There's loads we've mentioned, but... I still love the thing that I love about William III, is that I don't really think he is your favourite. You just somehow came up with this thing of him being a penguin, and thus I think that instilled this great affection... <laughs> I think you're right. I think I like the idea of him. I think I like the yeah. idea of this quite a grumpy little old penguin that perseveres <laughs> yeah. and has moments of being really nice to his other penguin. And you know, and that's just not him. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to shock any historians out there, but that isn't true. No, he's <laughs> quite a serious be. man. Mm. Scottish monarchs. So, after we'd uh, had our first series, we then moved on to a second series. Yeah. Now, the name, G-Man. The name. The name. Do you remember we had taught uh, a discussion about whether we should still call it Rex Factor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, to this day, I am still very proud of my pun. Mm-hmm. Do you remember it? Max Factor. Max Factor. The makeup and yeah. like Mac and Rex Factor. Yeah. It would have been confusing though. Yeah. So, yeah, so for the second series, we went up the border to Scotland. I mean, I think the other thing we were considering was doing the English consorts next, but I think it was just a sense of having spent all these years doing the English monarchs, the idea of going immediately back to the start. Yeah, that was and going right. through it again. And it, there was also quite a strong push um, for. Uh, French kings and queens, that's always mm. been present. Um, you know, which, well, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. <laughs> it was, it, I think it was a good decision to do uh, the Scots to view the same history mm. on the other side of the border. And it, it, as a result, really gave a better overview of the whole thing. How much did you sort of know about Scottish history before doing the second um, series? Uh, probably about three words, Robert the Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it, I think. Oh, I did think you were going to say Edward the First then. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I only know about Robert the Bruce because of Edward the First. I, I, <laughs> I was able to go one level deeper. Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know very much at all. A little bit of Stuart stuff, but only, probably only really Mary, James Queen VI. of Scots. Yeah, and James oh, VI. Yeah. So that was a quite nice thing about it, that it was just such a complete unknown, other than the bits that had connected to England, and thus we'd covered a little bit in the first series. Otherwise, I didn't really know what we were going to what we we're going to find no and i was quite looking forward to clearing up slash hoping not to be found out before we got to <laughs> what the difference between mary queen of scots and mary the first was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so then we have of course mary queen of scots who will be a fan favorite no <clears throat> yeah <laughs> <laughs> never been quite sure <laughs> the, the most notable thing i think for the first part of the Scottish series. Well, I mean, to be fair, this continued throughout, but particularly early on, was just how incredibly violent it was. Yeah. And not that, just uh, lots of battles, but kings being killed left, right and centre. Um, And senseless violence, but to the point of their total detriment. It reminds yeah. me an awful lot of uh, the series I'm watching on uh, Netflix right now um, called Norseman. Oh, I love Norseman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but the way they sort of just accept violence day to day, as I'm sure they probably did in the, in the day, and mm. it just feeling so uh, odd to Western, uh, modern Western <laughs> eyes. <laughs> this, they, I mean, they just didn't get them anywhere. It was ridiculous. <laughs> if you, as soon as you're in power, you're like Mexican uh, mayors, for example, mm. something like that. Yeah. There's just no, you'll never get anything achieved because you keep getting killed. The drummer in Spinal Tap. <laughs> you get much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was infuriating, to be honest, because they kept, they kept getting low longevity scores and you couldn't really get into someone before they go to bed and someone hall burns them. And it was or tricky a- genealogies because of the alternating succession system. Mm, oh, that was such a pain in the bum. I mean, I suppose you can understand why, if you've got a bit of a claim to the throne and the rules are pretty loose, you think, mm. well, I mean, I mean it's got to be go. someone. Yeah. But I do recall my history lessons where everyone has just continually been slaughtered. I, I'll kill him and then I'll get killed. So <laughs> I'm happy being just a wealthy nephew. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things with the Scottish series, I think, in terms of getting into it as a problem, was that the early monarchs didn't have an awful lot of information. And also, when we were doing them, you went on a world tour. That didn't help. So we recorded quite a few before you went away. So I was just kind of releasing them fairly intermittently. Mm. So I guess as a listener, when you're wanting to get some big, beefy episodes, and instead every three or four weeks you'd get like a 35 minutes, well, you know... Maybe this might have happened. Yeah. You might have been this person's step-uncle-in-law. <laughs> yeah, you wait 30, 30 minutes? No, you wait uh, two weeks and get Ieth. Although that was the first series, but yeah, equivalent. No, Ieth was the second series. Was he? Ieth was I Scottish. he was a Saxon. No, he's Scottish. How is he? <laughs> Hashtag remember Ieth. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was in that book, The Scottish the- Clans. and Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, now it would have been it would be totally easy. We now we we're in this COVID land. Hmm. Uh, we could have feasibly carried on whilst us away. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, we did try. There were a couple of times that we tried, and actually, the very first episode in that series, but the back, Scottish backgroundy stuff, we tried doing 
over yes. Skype. And that was uh, when you your parents and the internet was just so awful that mm. I think we gave that, up after about 10 minutes. I think that would probably be the same now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the uh, one of the early highlights, of course, in the Scottish series was uh, the Kenneth II episode, which featured not just death by statue, mm. but also the Dunstan jingle. Oh yes, was that Fishy Angels as well? No, that, no, that was, was Kenneth, Kenneth McAlpin, yeah. the first one. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, that was such a treat. I had absolutely <laughs> no idea you were doing that. I remember ex- exactly where we were, not uh, in your little. Little, it was a big spare bedroom. Study. Yeah, with your standy up table. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I was very self conscious about that because obviously we'd not done anything like that before. So I thought, will this just be completely ridiculous and rubbish? <laughs> um, no, I think it's to be encouraged, and the listeners loved it. But yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that you do get that recurring those recurring characters. So it is nice to sort of, and it's coming at it from a different angle. Yeah, it's nice. And of course, another monarch that we got to see from a different angle was Edward the First. Yeah, I don't like what how um, that that he was portrayed. To be honest, I think they're missing out on all the good stuff. The Scots, like <laughs> they always, they're always really grumpy with him. They didn't appreciate what a <laughs> wonderful ruler he would have been. <laughs> I actually, to be honest, didn't appreciate what a wonderful ruler he nearly was with the, or rather, <laughs> with his son if they had arranged that marriage. Oh, with um, the Maid of Norway? Yeah. Death Would have by, been absolutely death ideal. Death by boat. Death by boat. That was a shocker. And it's funny how quickly that, how uh, early that came about and how different things might have been. Mm. Mm. And it's the same it was... with then Henry VIII also had the same thing, trying to marry um, Edward VI to Mary, Queen of Scots, when they were both yeah. Littlelands and... But it seemed to be an idea that was floating around for a while to be just less just makes sense, doesn't it? Let's all let's go and fight the French and the Scots are going <laughs> No but we we kinda of like the French <laughs> Uh and then uh, Robert the Bruce is probably the the big name that we were leading up to. Mm. Um and mm. I guess until you get to Mary Queen of Scots towards the end. But that was one of the most fun in terms of battliness episodes that I think we've had. I think it was a long episode, the Robert the Bruce one, because I wanted to do a lot of battliness. And that was mm. just before we started doing the Privy Chamber. So I suspect, oh. had we done it later, then I would have cut it down a bit more and then just had a Privy Chamber special on all the battliness of, yeah, of yeah, Robert yeah. the Bruce. Were you able to enjoy Robert the Bruce, or the whole time are you thinking that this is the guy that needs putting in his place for standing up against the rightful king? Yeah, I've got to be honest. I think so. I was the whole time... It was begrudging respect that it was <laughs> yeah. that was earned. Uh, I've just um, it was me looking for chinks in him, but mm. actually pretty blooming good. Couldn't mm. be found. And then after him, uh, we quite soon then get to the Stuart monarchs, which I think is when it sort of really picks up with the Stuarts, particularly with the Jameses. When you just have this whole run, everyone's called James. They yeah. all come to the throne basically as a child. They show mm. a lot of promise, get into a bit of a mishap, and die in some horrible, inexplicable way. <laughs> tennis balls, etc. Yeah, tennis balls blown up by your own cannon. Good. Overthrown by your own son. Yeah. Uh, killed in battle by, well, not Henry VIII, but the English. Um, 
probably the most famous name other than Robert the Bruce would be uh, Mary Queen of Scots, who is the only Scottish monarch to get more than one episode. Oh, nice. Good fact. Uh, a very dramatic life story that Mary had, so I think fully uh, fully justified mm. multiple episode one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was brilliant. And again, knew nothing about it. And that was one I thought was quite good, in in perhaps in um, contrast to Robert the Bruce and Edward the First, because obviously you particularly enjoyed Elizabeth the First. I loved it. But that didn't put you off uh, Mary Queen of Scots. No. Perhaps it just felt like an episode on... of Dynasty. Yeah, perhaps it was more Cecil who seemed to be the antagonist rather than uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, she was annoying, though, Mary Queen of Scots. <laughs> I did find her... Didn't I? Did I say that? No. Oh, I thought she was a bit... bit... bit whiny. Oh, this is another one of these turnings of opinions. <laughs> um, the next maybe time she comes up, you'll be going, ugh. Maybe, yeah, I need to have a listen again. In my mind, in my memory, rather, uh, Elizabeth, great. Uh, Mary, also great, but just a bit, come on. But I don't know what I mean. Gets herself into mischief. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we finish with James VI, who's the only monarch to get two episodes. Yes. Two, both series two reviews, rather. Yeah. Anyway, we finished the Scottish series, so then we moved on to... The English Consorts! So this is where we are now, obviously. Series 3, English Consorts. We're almost doing Eleanor of Aquitaine, which everyone's looking forward to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it felt like that we were never really strongly considering doing anything else for the third series. It always felt like this was the inevitable thing we were doing next. Yeah, but uh, and that became... Uh, stronger as we went through um, the first series and the second series because we found out more and more about these consorts mm. as well and they, their characters were there and like, we, we definitely have to find out more about this one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was good. That was a good way to to segue in. Little jump over the border, back <laughs> down south. It was good timing as well, I think, because there have been loads more books and stuff written on the consorts in mm. the time since we did the Scottish series or started the Scottish series so it's a much easier task now than it would have been sort of five years ago and it, also I think we learned from or I learned from that Scottish series at the start where there wasn't a load of information available that it was important to supplement that somehow and not just have lots of shrugging 10 minute episodes yeah. where we didn't have much to go on yeah, that was great to um, have those little... What did we call them in the end? Those little focuses that we did at the end of each one? Yeah, we sort of had different names depending on what the things were. I'm not sure if we had a catch-all like term. A, a little... Our in-depth analysis this week is on... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I loved that. And that actually served then as the basis for our uh, first live thing? No, second. It was the um, uh, Chalk Valley. That was after the live Oh, yeah, tour, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, but that provided the basis for a whole episode in itself, which is actually mm. the only one lost forever. Yeah. But yeah, so English consorts. Um, I've, I've, I really enjoyed doing the Saxons and the Normans, in fact, because we finished them as well. Mm. I like them. I think I really, really do. It's a, it's a fascinating one because I know absolutely nothing about most of them, whereas I knew something about all of the other ones or, mm. you know, most of the ones. Um 
So it's brand new information. It's fantastic. And what we've started to see with the Normans, and we'll continue to see as we go along, which wasn't really the case for the Saxons at all, but is learning more about the places that they come from before they become Queen of England, mm-hmm. why those marriage alliances are made. And that's again, that sort of England's part in the wider European context that you don't always get when you just focus on the, the English yeah. kings. And in fact, how, there's absolutely loads of European influence there. We're talking about courts all over the place. That, and early in Saxon times, talking about sort of Polish... Uh, was it... Um, oh, yeah. It was, Emperor um, of Normandy? Well, yeah, because Canute was um, his mother, so Sven Forkbeard's consort, the one who may or may not have entirely existed, but um, Sigrid mm. the Haughty. Ah, uh, yes, that's the one. thought was probably yeah. of Polish extraction. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. So anyway, we've still got quite a bit to go there, but as well as the main podcast, there's lots of other stuff that we've increasingly been doing over the years. Mm-hmm. The Privy Chamber. So something that we started in uh, 2017, so three and a bit years ago now, is the Privy Chamber. So this is when it became possible for people to donate on a monthly basis to Rex Factor. And this is where things got serious. We got loads of proper kit... It enabled us, Graham to spend a lot more time on it. Brilliant. The first time we actually bought the microphones was one of the only times that we had a goal that we set for people, mm. which was that if we got to a certain level, um, that we'd do that Edgar the Peaceable video. Oh, yes, that's right. rode me dressed as Edgar. Yeah, but that that was with our phone cameras, so that was before... Even we got... Oh, yeah, before we got other equipment, yeah. Mm. That was, what was it, probably about 500 quid, something? Hundred pounds. Oh, what the um, video amount? Camera. No, the amount that we were going for that first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, because initially people had asked us about donations, and then we didn't have anything set up. And I think I just noticed there was a sort of a dormant PayPal button option that I never used. Yeah. So then we introduced it, and it was just very, very gradually cottoning onto the idea that actually people might want to yeah. pay for more. I think we did it first uh, in the. We just put the button on the page, mm. didn't even say anything about it. And I got a, uh, oh, would we have WhatsApped each other then? I don't know. Uh, I got, uh, uh, next time I saw you, we were saying, you're not going to leave it. Someone just paid us 15 quid or something like that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's the point at which you realise how much people do actually enjoy Listen, yeah. not that obviously if you don't pay that you don't enjoy it, but the fact that people were willing to pay for a free podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sort of appreciate the time that we put into it all and sort of reward it. So then we sort of thought about how we could do a bit more with that. So that's where the Privy Chamber came from, that we thought if people are paying us on a monthly basis that we'd be offering something in return. So mm. since the John Balliol episode in the Scottish series, every main episode has had a Privy Chamber which is, initially they were all quite short and not much to them, but it's basically us having a further chat and reflection on the main episode. Mm. Increasingly, I've got loads of research that I've not put into the main one, so we get to go through that. Mm. You've been doing things like your audiobook reviews. Oh, they panic me so much every time. Oh, well, <laughs> and they have their own uh, fun theme tune. Mm. Which Different changes every time. every time, but usually involves the word book. And, and a teacup. Take a look. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Next one, G Man. 
I promise not to include the words book or look. <laughs> Which is tricky because it's about book review, but I will do it. But it's fun. So it's just basically it's a more laid back chat, I guess a bit more like this really, where we can go off at tangents. I don't mm. have to worry about trying to make it a more slick, professional, one hour long thing so we can ramble. <laughs> yeah, you don't remove the um, the tangents and the the bits where we make blunders so much. Yeah. One of the uh, reward levels that uh, we set was for special episode access. Because mm. the people at the top level got to commission us to do special bonus episodes. So these are usually about two, two and a bit hours long. Mm. And it's the nice thing is that it means that we get to talk about all sorts of different things that we wouldn't usually be focusing on. Or sometimes it's someone who's featured, like William the Marshal, who's the great knight in the Plantagenet period. Mm. Uh, but then something like Isambard Kingdom Brunel as the great Victorian engineer that we'd never have focused yeah, on. Yeah, he was great. He was great. And T, I always mention T. Uh, a lovely episode. The episode, yeah. Uh, I loved that when you had cake out for that. <laughs> yeah. It was brilliant. <laughs> An actual tea. And, and tea and a teapot and everything. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't twig where you went no, and you sort of nodded to it and went, mm. yeah. I went oh brilliant thanks very much <laughs> <laughs> oh cake and tea I've never seen cake that. and tea yeah, that's good <laughs> uh, <laughs> who are we doing today episode on tea and then you went hence the uh, down. <laughs> and went, oh but um, tea I tea but tea is always featured obviously but um, cake has has departed us again mind you now I'm in charge of my own catering on this zoom business yeah. Skype brother the special episodes are also a real pain when we started. I don't know if you remember, but when we did the, the Battle of Waterloo was the first one we did. And I do remember like, that. I enjoyed that one a lot. That was fun. But it seemed like it was this, the paid episode thing was almost this sort of relic thing that Podbean had forgotten that they had. And yeah. it just didn't work properly at all. So like you paid for the episode and then Podbean was meant to send you an email with a link where you could then go and download the episode and it just wasn't working so we had all these people buying the episode Mm. and not getting it so we had to have this thing where every time somebody bought an episode or bought that episode i then had to find their email on the system send them a link to the dropbox folder that we put then put them in and said sorry about this but you can't get it on popping I'm very glad we had you on the team here g-man i think it was largely because of us that uh, popping then updated everything Yes, they were in communication with us for quite a long time, weren't they, about that? Trailblazers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, these are all the podcasty things that we... Oh, and I suppose another another recent addition we've had is the um, being able to do these sort of Podbean Live episodes of the Privy Councillors, where we've actually been able to have call-ins and chats. People, we did a pub quiz earlier on in uh, lockdown we've done Rex Flicks where we've uh, started doing reviews of monarch related movies well I need to actually do that I haven't actually done one yet have I oh yeah you came in sort of an hour late and then left ten minutes later to the king oh I know it was not it was not a glorious entry or disappearance (laughs) Uh, but I sort of think that that would work better if we were to do it together yeah yeah, it's difficult. Uh, <laughs> it's difficult yeah. because we um, watching on my own. I'm just watching quietly. Whereas if we were together, we'd be chatting all the way through it and mm. having fun, yeah. which is what we want to hear typed out. Mm. 
Well, but you, you were there for the actual podcast recording, though, in fairness. Was I? Yeah. You remember we did a podcast episode on... No, we did, just a Netflix thing where you type. Yeah, and then afterwards, later, like a week or two later, we did a podcast where we reviewed the film. Oh, blimey, did we? I just... <laughs> I thought that we were just chatting about that in a... Um, in a privy chamber or something <laughs> no oh, okay it's an actual podcast <laughs> right yeah well we branched into that have you mentioned it <laughs> that's okay, good, good. the things you learn doing this yeah <laughs> god uh, it's like that interview we did that i swore blind i'd never and we i don't remember until i found my notes from it <laughs> sitting in the in the pile of rex factor stuff <laughs> scary um, i'm just so now, tired graham i know i know now, outside of all the podcast stuff that we've done, we also got to venture into the world of animation. Yes, yes. We saw what we'd look like animated on the in the silver screen. So this is where we got contacted by uh, Tin Mouse Animation, who happened to be based in Chelmsford, where we were, which was yeah. rather nice. And uh, they just asked if we fancied having an animated episode of Rex Factor made, to which the answer was very much yes. Yes, please. Uh, learned, obviously, how much that costs did that uh, Kickstarter thing and were just overwhelmed by the fact that we actually made our target. Uh, yeah, that was such a lovely barometer. It's like, oh, God, should we do this? This we might Imagine if we fail spectacularly, people would look at us and think that they might not listen. It felt like we were putting our, our um, ourselves on the line there, our, our reputation on the line a bit. Mm. Um, and boy, oh boy, did they come out and support us. Yeah. Phantasmo. And uh, then, of course, they actually got to make it. And yeah. it was just so brilliant seeing it. And they captured so many great things about us. There were lots of sort of jokes in there for Rex Factor fans, little things you'd yeah. remember, catchphrases, that sort of stuff. Some Easter eggs, that sort of thing. Easter eggs. Um, great stuff during the Kickstarter campaign. Like Mike was doing all these great designs, like the uh, Car Park King T-shirt. Yes, yes, that was so good, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, and then we got to have the premiere at the King Richard III Visitor Centre, the museum in Leicester. Yeah, that was brilliant. I mean, and also, just all the chaps from Tin Mouse are hmm. such good eggs. It sort of expanded our little social circle of touch. Yeah. Off the back of that, well, off the back of that, off certainly that was around the same time that the momentum was building for, just generally around, there was a buzz and boom, a live show. Oh, I loved that live show, Graham. It was such a fun thing to do. It was a bit... The only thing I didn't like about it was the... Uh, it was a bit stressful in the build-up for me because I had to do quite a lot of episode notes. Uh, Don't know what you're talking about. It was not <laughs> like that at all time. for me. <laughs> That's not how it happened. <laughs> no. you got. It's funny how one... You know, two people can have such different memories about the same event. It makes you question witness evidence. I imagine that my experience was similar to Becca's experience in that she was obviously having to organise all of the accommodation and all that yeah. sort of stuff and figure out the logistics and the itinerary in quite a short space of time. I was being really helpful though and running around and getting excited, you know, yeah, yeah. cheering up, keeping morale up. <laughs> Had a brief panic meeting with you when I <laughs> do you remember this. It was about a week before we were due to go on tour and I rang you up and said, do you mind meeting me at the pub? I said, I think we should just meet before we go on tour. Uh, just want to discuss a few things. And basically, it was me having a wobble and <laughs> saying, when we go on stage, are you going to say stuff? Because <laughs> I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it boiled down to, if I was to be honest. 
that was yeah. the thing I think that made me feel a little bit better was when you were pointing out that, you know, at least I was going on on stage each night with notes of ev- basically everything that I was going to say. Yeah. Whereas you were going on stage live in front of an audience with nothing at all. Yeah. And <laughs> it was, I am. Um, it was like a waking uh, nightmare, literally every night. You were going yes. on stage to do a show and you had got no notes, you'd done no preparation. <laughs> People were gonna were paying for this. Uh and I and I think I was all excited and I think you pointed that out before <laughs> the uh one of the early ones and uh at the time I think we referred to it, I said, Oh my god, it's like an anxiety dream. Oh yeah, that's uh, an anxiety dream. Uh, <laughs> um but no, I, I, it, well, I, I had such great fun, such great fun, um, meeting everyone and just the. Oh, what a time to be alive, though! It was. It was. <laughs> and one of my uh, definite highlights from that was when we went on to um, when we were in Bristol, and then the day after it was one of those rare times where we actually got to have a, a day, having a, a day like, together, yeah, a day out, and um, we saw a couple of people from the night before. Mm. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> and we were like, oh, yeah, get ready, like, Graham. Yep, Come on, here we go. <laughs> and they walked right past us and did. <laughs> we recognised the band. But... Oh dear. Oh yes, I. That was such a so crestfallen. <laughs> it's a good wake up. Um, one of my favourite moments from that was I felt the whole thing was like. Uh, it, it felt like the same amount of ti- uh, time that Spinal Tap were being recorded for their <laughs> little tour that, on Spinal Tap, mm. and it went there's so all the different locations and all the different feelings, like uh, what you just mentioned, um, and then there was one in Scotland where all of a sudden we're told we had to pay four hundred quid or something oh, yeah, uh, yeah. performers, and would words. you mind paying me when you come off the stage? <laughs> we were just about to go on, like. I think we're being hustled. <laughs> <laughs> um, desperately ringing the agents. Um, I think he just was trying to get um, money, wasn't he? Yeah. Because he, he didn't like me afterwards when, I, when we said, oh, it's all right, we've spoken to our agents. Mm-hmm. Then called me a big Jesse upstairs. Hadn't he already done that? Yes, he had. Because mm. he called me a big Jesse because I asked for a non-alcoholic one because it's before we're going on stage. Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, Jesse drinks. Jesse, Jesse drinks. drinks yeah. That's it. Uh, well, I mean, they're going to struggle with their drink driving <laughs> policy out there, aren't they? If they're called <laughs> Jesse drinks. So I went up thinking that this was a perfectly reasonable thing to ask. If uh, they might have some some soft drinks, and when he looked dumbfounded, I tried to clarify by saying maybe some sparkling elderflower. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just not. We were on very different pages. But yeah, it's, it's, it would be lovely to do another live tour. Obviously not possible in current circumstances. Oh, yeah. And uh, also not possible because the uh, people that did it last time said that, that basically they don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to do it again, <laughs> um, which is fair enough. But I felt like saying, please, I had a really nice time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. There's ideas out there, isn't there, about you know us fundraising something to... We talked about this briefly in the past. Fun doing a crowd sourcing Kickstarter thing to go to the states for a couple of shows, which means the tickets are already paid for for the people or something. Well, that was the idea of one of the um, people who's helping us organise with 
That's it. This yeah. one. I feel like the... Because um, <laughs> this is something I should know people now, but do you remember when we were doing, at the end of the Scottish series, you were organising for us to do a live show for the grand final in the playoffs? No. And you uh, you'd found a pub quite quickly. Some, there was some pub in London, which was like upstairs, and it had... Uh, obviously, it was a performance. Oh venue, yeah, but it had a chance yeah. of second connection or something. Yeah, yeah. God, completely forgotten that. Which I think is also what happened at the time. <laughs> oh, is that right? I think you got quite excited it. about it and then just sort of didn't do it. Forgot about it for a while and then because I thought I I'd sort of thought quite early without this one to sound like I had a lack of faith, but I thought. <laughs> This is not happening. <laughs> I am just going to prepare. For the Don't sugarcoat it. That you this just knew straight away that there was no chance of me succeeding <laughs> yeah. in this endeavour. So I thought, I'm just going to assume that we're just going to do it normally, and yeah. I'm going to be prepared for that. But we because we had a date, and I think there was a point where it was about a week before we were like, um, "Correct the the um the live thing that next week for the grand final." Um, <laughs> I was like, "Should we just do it as a normal podcast?" Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brilliant brilliant <laughs> well shall i do that again with that idea about yeah. north america yeah all right we just carry on but i'll keep twittering away and make some threats about uh <laughs> booking 747 tickets <laughs> which is what i kind of meant about the podcast as a whole you know when it could i could have got quite excited and just oh yeah just forgotten about it then had some lunch and that yeah. was the end of that yeah <laughs> So those are some of our memories of uh, Rex Factor over the last 10 years. But as we said, we'd really love to hear your memories. So let us know any favourite moments, quotes, Rex Factor, etc. Help us to find our longest serving listener or the listener in the most impressive location. We'll have a read through your messages and pick out some of the highlights and uh, read and respond to those in our 10th anniversary part two episode. Now, another way you can get involved in our celebrations is by joining in the forthcoming Twitter poll for the English Monarchs. So, sort of inspired by uh, at Gwen of Monmouth and at Havelock the Dutch on Twitter, who mm. are a couple of uh, historians who did a World Cup of Saints that we talked about either on the main yeah. podcast or the Privy Chamber. And they've also recently done a Medieval Queens World Cup. Okay. Guess who won that one? Mm, Eleanor? It was Eleanor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we've had such a clear outright favourite um as her i probably well robert the bruce maybe mm. Mm. but certainly wasn't true the english one anyway so inspired by that i thought it would be fun to revisit the first series as we're looking back 10 years so the english monarchs so we're going to put all of the english monarchs into well uh, a world cup of english monarchs effectively okay so the way that this is going to work is it will obviously be on twitter so we are on twitter at rexfactorpod and I think to vote in a Twitter poll, I think you probably do need to have a Twitter account. Right. So it might not be possible for everybody to do this, but obviously you could just uh, set up an account just to vote. Um, so you can do polls, which is just you know just the very basic range of options. You can do four at any one time. So mm. I had to figure out how we were going to structure this, because we reviewed 57 individuals in the first series of Rex Factor. Yeah. So what I thought we'd do is take out Oliver Cromwell. What? Not being a monarch. Right. Take out Elizabeth II, who obviously yes. is the monarch, but it's too current 
and has that advantage of actually being the monarch. <laughs> so that leaves us with 55. 55 still isn't a nice round number in terms of making for a good tournament. So we're having a few playoff rounds at the start to get us down to a nice round 48. So there'll be 12 poles, each with four monarchs. The winner from each of those goes into four semi-finals, each with three monarchs in. And then the winner of each of those semi-finals oh. goes through into the grand final. So all in all, there will be 21 Twitter polls. That's quite a neat way of working, that. Mm. Lovely. Now, I was thinking about how to do the draw. And I was thinking initially about, like, we could be getting out the Heritage Limited playing cards again and turning them all over like we did in the mm. playoffs. Then I thought, that's quite a lot of cards. And it's quite a lot of working out. So I thought instead, what we could do is make it effectively a test of the Rex Factor scores and seedings. So the Rex Factor winners go to the top of the seedings based on scores. Oh, brilliant, Graham. But then after that, everybody is still seeded, but on the basis of their total score. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So have you got a, have you got a list? I do. So the draw is actually technically done, albeit we don't know who the uh, preliminary ones are. So don't know how Fantastic. big this will be for you. Oh, hang on. Let me have a look at this. I need to get closer. And if I make it a bit... I'll make this bigger, but I don't want to... Okay. So we've got four preliminary rounds. So we've got Edward the Confessor, Edwig and Harold the First in the first preliminary. Edred, Edward the Sixth, Edward the Martyr. None of these are big hitters, obviously, at the bottom. Edward VIII, Henry VI, and Edward V. Potentially the dark horse right at the bottom is Edmund Ironside, because mm. he scored very low because he was only king for a few months. But it was great. But was good, so he's a bit of a dark horse. He's up against half the Canute, so there's only two of them in that one. And then the winner of each of those fills up the last places in our quarterfinals. Right. So we've got some pretty beefy matches um, here, So I've done it in such a way that in theory, the final should be between the top four seeds, which is, of course, Henry II at the top, Edward I, mm -hmm. second, Edward IV is the third seed, and Victoria is the fourth seed. Wow. So in theory, yeah. they should be the finalists. Blimey, Charlie, this is brilliant. And now, an Excel chart. There you go. And it's in Excel, of course. Uh, is there a way we can share this with people so that they can see? Yeah, so I'll put this on. I'm sure what's the easiest way? It probably would be to do like a Google. I could take a photo of it and put it on Facebook now. Uh, you could. It might be a bit small. I'll, there'll be yeah. a better way of doing it. I'll, I'll okay. figure out. It might be just a Google spreadsheet or something or might be able to do an image. Phantasmo. Oh, that's going to be brilliant, Graham. Mm. Nice work. So it'll be interesting to see how that all... Uh, Let's just have a little a little prediction from you. Let's go each round. Okay. What you Henry reckon? The quarter final one. Henry the second. Henry the fifth. John George the first. Henry the Henry the second. Okay. Quarter final two. Henry the first. Charles the second. Ethelred the unready. Charles the first. Charles second. Uh, quarter final three. William the Conqueror. Edward the Elder. William Rufus, another father son affair, and then the winner of the first preliminary. Uh, William Rufus. Rufus. Mm. Uh, quarterfinal four, Edward the Fourth, Elizabeth the First, George the Sixth, and Edmund the First. Oh, that's a nasty one, actually. They're all pretty good. Elizabeth the First. Uh, quarterfinal five, Henry the Eighth, George the Third, Henry the Third, 
and Sven Falkbeard. Oh, he- head says Henry. <laughs> Heart says George the Third, who's right up there with my favourite um, monarchs at the moment. Hmm. What what? What what? Quarterfinal six: George the Fifth, Henry the Seventh, Harold the Second, and uh, winner of uh, the third preliminary. George the Fifth. Quarterfinal seven: Victoria. William and oh, Mary. hang on, sorry. Maybe oh. Henry the Seventh. There's some ardent Henry oh, yeah. fans out there. The Tudorists. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll stick with that again. I want to say George, but yeah. Uh, quarterfinal seven: Victoria, William and Mary, Richard the Third, James the Second. Oh, it's if it is, I'm disappointed. But no, I think people will will. This the go on give. Pick up a penguin. <laughs> That's a tough one because obviously Victoria is one of those big names, but a lot of Ricardians out there as well, of course. Oh yeah, that Richard, mm. of course, yeah. Mm. Uh, quarterfinal eight: Alfred the Great, Edgar the Peaceable, Edward the Second, Mary the First. Well, everyone about Edgar the Peaceable. Uh, quarterfinal nine: Richard the Lionheart, George the Second, Richard the Second, and probably Edmund Ironside. Richard, uh, Richard the Second. Remind uh, me. He's the one who was the grandson of Edward III. Poker at the bum? Um, probably just starved to death. Who was Poker at he the had, bum? That was Edward II. But Richard was also overthrown. A peasant's Revolt? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Richard the Lionheart. <laughs> Quarterfinal 10, Edward I, Athelstan, Edward VII, Anne. Don't offend me by asking... <laughs> Uh, don't offend the listeners by presuming they'd vote anything other. <laughs> we'll, we'll just do a closed poll for that one, just to announce yeah. the result. Quarterfinal 11, Edward III, William IV, James I, or Sixth of Scots, Stephen. That I reckon that's the closest mm. so far. Edward III versus William IV. Mm. And James mm, James I wasn't actually terribly likeable, just big things in his range, wasn't it? Reign. Uh I think William the Fourth might do it. Oh, pineapple head! Mm-hmm. And then finally, Canute, Henry the Fourth, George the Fourth, and the winner of preliminary round two. Uh, I don't know any of those. Which one was George the Fourth? Uh, Prince Regent. Oh yeah, him. <laughs> so that would mean that uh, quarterfinals winners one, two, and three would be the first semi-finals. So that would be Henry the Second. Charles II and William Rufus. Twitter, I think, is leans more to has a Charles bent to it mm-hmm. than the academic reasoned answer, which would probably be Henry II. But come on, Charles, come on. So we got Henry II going out in the semi finals. Semi final two would be Elizabeth I. Henry the Eighth and oh. Henry the Seventh. No. Oh, that's oh. amazing. The Tudors. Uh, oh, it's it's Henry the Eighth or Elizabeth the First. I think I think enough people will prefer Elizabeth the First because it's actually depends how you phrase the question. It's like the Brexit vote. Uh, <laughs> the would it just be which is your favourite monarch? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about how I was going to word it actually, which because is quite the a good point. Because the reason I say that is, who's best monarch would probably 
Elizabeth would beat Henry. Who's your favourite monarch? People might say Henry because they just know of him. But I think... No, I'm going to trust people again. I think people have people heard again. of Elizabeth as well. Mm. We'll, we'll trust them to do, make the right decision. So, yeah, Elizabeth I there. Okay. I imagine I'll probably be wording it something like saying we're finding England's greatest monarch or something. It'll probably be how I'd phrase it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, semi-final three. William and Mary, Edgar the Peaceable, Richard the Lionheart. That's tough. People will do Edgar. I think I think if it wasn't for my controversial decision, it would be <laughs> William the Lionheart. But I don't think William's personality William the Lionheart beyond the the semis. And then finally, fourth semi-final: Edward the First, William the Fourth, George the Fourth. What a fun group! <laughs> uh, oh, Edward First, not so fun. Edward the First, Edward the First. Which means that your prediction for the grand final is Charles the Second, Elizabeth the mm. First, Edgar the Peaceable, and Edward the First. I think people will go for Charles, Ooh. unless there's a groundswell of uh, Rex fans to do a funny and do Edgar, but <laughs> Charles, everyone loves Charles. So Ali is predicting that the Twitter. English Monarchs champion will be Charles II, who, of course, was knocked out in the first round of the uh, playoffs in the original series. Yeah, it is interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how they vote. Um, I just must tell the listeners that during that, Graham had shared his screen with me and I was looking at his spreadsheet and he'd helped me by each time I made a decision, turning them bold, and then they <laughs> gradually became less bold until there's just one winner. It was really quite exciting. I'd forgotten that. You should still see that. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, so that will be starting on uh, Monday. So that's the 24th of August, and I'll basically be doing pretty much one poll per day. Well, it will, it will never be more than one. There'll be some days where there won't be any. So I'll have a little mm. gap between each round. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week will be the preliminary rounds and then the following week for the next 12 days will be the quarterfinals and then another little gap semi-finals another little gap grand final brilliant that's going to be so exciting so then we will reveal the results well i say we will reveal i mean it will all be they will be revealed yeah (laughs) they'll be revealed throughout the process but for those of you not partaking but are kind of curious to see what happens we will reveal all of the results uh, of the Twitter English Monarchs uh, Championship uh, in part two of our 10th anniversary special, where we will also, of course, be hopefully hearing from you with all your memories of uh, Rex Factor and the podcast and your favourite moments, etc., etc. So when's that? Oh, actually, that is quite pertinent for people who need to know when they've got to send stuff in by. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to be recording uh, the the part two of uh, this 10th anniversary special on the 22nd of September. So if you could try to get your any favourite moments or memories in before that, that will obviously then give me time to put it in. Perfect. Should we have some messages? Yes, please. Correspondence Corner. You can find us on Twitter, as we've said, and Instagram, where we are at RexFactorPod. Like the RexFactorPodcast Facebook page, uh, and you can email RexFactorPodcast at Hotmail.com. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., and subscribe. If you'd like to make a one-off donation to us, you can do so via PayPal. And we want to say a big thank you to uh, Shane Odiemi, Alexander Shower, and Jeremy Bradley, who have all donated. 
recently. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. And if you would like to get hold of some of that bonus content we were talking about, the Privy Chamber podcast, special episodes, etc., then you can donate on a monthly basis. Click the Be My Patron badge and you get various extras. And we would like to say a big thank you to some of our recent new Privy Councillors, Maria Rabonica, M. Tate23, Rowan Edwards, The Dragon Ultimatum, Tim H. Dog, Carolyn O'Brien, Lady Craft Hole, Anthony Lawless, Jennifer O'Neill, Monique Lammers, Kay Harrison, Catherine McLaren, Kirsten Elliott, and Amy Burker. There, well, there wasn't many. Like, normally, I used to say thank you to each one, and now it just is a... You're saying thank you to them, and I'm listening to their names just to see who I laugh at. It's terrible. <laughs> and normally it's uh, the... Um, PW one, yeah, <laughs> the third or whatever, yeah, <laughs> underscore, 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 exclamation point. Oh dear, well, too, there weren't many of those today. No. And we've got some messages from uh, Privy Councillors, so I say recent ones, but it's quite a while ago since they actually joined now, but nevertheless. Sane, I feel the warm, fuzzy glow already. That's one of the things we offer as a <laughs> reward. Is it? Yeah. Should have supported... Uh, the warm, fuzzy glow of having helped the podcast and become a Oh, I see, I see, I see, I <laughs> see. What are you doing, Graham? <laughs> what are you, uh, Graham, you need to think really carefully about what you're offering here. <laughs> should, have, uh, should have supported you before, as I've listened for years, but better late than never, I guess. Definitely, thank you. At least it's fitting that I joined the Proof Council just before the episode on Emma, my absolute favourite, and in my opinion, a clear Rex Factor. Nudge, nudge. We gave it to her, didn't we? We did indeed. Good memory. Uh, You may recall that somebody mentioned quite a while ago about how we should have... You know how there's that thing we have days since accidents in the workplace? Yeah. Uh, That we should have a Dunstan equivalent of that. Oh, good idea. So Pete Bogferry says, Dunstan incident counter reset. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joy S. Absent. Yay! Finally, as a Christmas present to myself, became a privy councillor. This is a while ago, isn't it? <laughs> I can't thank you both enough for the hours of entertainment provided whilst working on a business plan and revving up to head back for another degree. I think everyone I know is sick of me gushing over this podcast. Do I care? Oh, thank you. No. Will I stop gushing? Absolutely not. Good stuff. Never stop. Gronya Downey says, I figured after spending the entire fall and winter listening almost exclusively to Rex Factor, you guys probably deserved some of my money. My friend and I are big fans and we are spreading the good word to everyone we know. I even ordered a heritage playing card set all the way from England as a silly Christmas gift. And they're good, aren't they? Oh, this isn't you, is it? But I was about to say, and they're good, aren't they? I thought you'd maybe <laughs> be able to talk to her. Um, Thanks for the they great are work. Good. Henry V deserves more respect. Love from Canada. I reckon we gave him respect. He just wasn't very... Didn't have any much personality. <laughs> He's one of these funny ones where your propensibility to change your mind about people really? stroke completely forget what you originally had an opinion on. So if you Did listen like to him? Henry V's actual episode, you're full of praise. He's absolutely brilliant. Amazing king. When we do him then in the playoffs... Suddenly, he's become Henry V, Henry Mark V, boring robot, and you're not a fan. Blimey, I wonder what happened. Yeah. 
I mean, the classic well, example is obviously George V, where we had to re-record it, and you said no the first time and yes the second time. <laughs> Subconsciously learned to love him. I thought, I recognise this man, there's something in me. <laughs> yeah. um, had you, did you agree with the uh, Henry Mark V, though? Um, I think yes, but that doesn't detract from um, the, the admiration I'd have. Well, admiration is a bit of a funny word for <laughs> a sort of a warlord, but yeah, for a war the criminal, <laughs> the respect as the kind of the ultimate exemplar of medieval warrior king. Yeah, he yeah. kind of he he's sort of pretty much doing that. Him and Edward the Third. I still can't shake Edward from that chair. If you've got, if you're sitting someone in the corner, I'm... right? That's what they are, because he's that bit earlier building the castles. Yeah. That to me is medieval. As soon as there's gunpowder, it's somewhere in, it's off, slightly off radar. I think really, I think Edward the Third is the one for me. I think that's for me the ultimate because it just from there, um, from his episode and all the knights and money, yeah, etc. Et it just felt like it was knights pretending to be King Arthur, even building a round table. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I as a child, I would have um, played as King Arthur with my brother. Like we we're all about knights and things like that. Uh, but what's incredible is that it's the best part of a thousand years later, mm. and they're reenacting it as well in the same <laughs> way. But that's what we imagine the Arthur bit being like. Yeah, them. Ah, oh, amazing. I think also as a uh, a sort of a telling aspect of his character, Edward the Third basically just tries to recreate Arthur. He has the knights of the garter. He builds a round table. He does all that sort of stuff. Mm. Edward the First also got into Arthur and sort of appropriating that mythology, but purely to do one over on the Welsh. Yeah. Oh, this is useful. Yeah. <laughs> Not, wouldn't this be fun? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> oh, and it is amazing, that bit where he, where he um, doesn't want the siege to end until he's had a go with his <laughs> siege weapon. Chief, yeah. So brilliantly depicted in uh, whatever that film was. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, even King. Uh, it's just that bit a little bit more brutal. Yeah. <laughs> just that little bit more nasty. Yeah, that's what I'm after. Just that, <laughs> you know, nasty taste in the mouth, that sort of thing. I think that's the problem for you with Henry V, that he wasn't nasty enough. He was just coldly ruthless. Yeah. He was like uh, like the serial killer that never says a word in, in, a, in a thriller, hmm. rather than one with personality in a... Um, What's her name? Uh, Marple case or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that was a crappy analogy, but you know what I mean. A Marvel thing, not Marple. <laughs> I then, I then was trying to run with Marple. But yeah. I was imagining Edward I in Agatha Christie world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't last five minutes at a tea party, would he? I could imagine him as the grumpy elderly relative in the drawing room. With the collection of shotguns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing compared to when I was up in Snowdonia. What? Scots! <laughs> uh, there's no mystery. Everybody knows Edward did the murder. Yeah. Uh, anyway, one final Privy Councillor uh, message. Elizabeth Johnson, I recommended my, your podcast to my friend Dan, and he's bought me a pot on the Privy Council for Christmas. A spot a, on the... A few. <laughs> and he's bought me a spot on the Privy Council for Christmas. Good man. Can't wait to get my teeth into all the Privy Chamber episode. S- 
Thanks, Graham and Ali. <laughs> I don't know why I'm struggling with words. Thanks, Graham and Ali, for making the podcast and hi from just up the road in Ipswich. Hey, lovely Ipswich. I do really like Ipswich. Hmm. Uh, we've got an email from Mark Broadhead about Edgar the Peaceable. Mm. Hello, chaps. Mm. Thanks for this very enjoyable podcast, which I've only recently discovered. Edgar the Peaceable. Hmm. Robbed over the Rex Factor, obviously. But about the bit where eight kings rode him in a boat. He was clearly sensitive about his size, as witnessed by his challenging that Scottish king who cast aspersions. Now, when you see an Oxford-Cambridge boat race type team, do you think, look at those eight mighty men rowing for that puny bloke at the back. What <laughs> power he must have over them. No. <laughs> you don't. Might in the conversation at the time have gone, well... I'm up for a row. It's a lovely day for it. Only I don't see why we have to have Edgar, that's all. Look, it'll be fine. We'll put him at the back and tell him he's in the most important place. That is so true. It's like Trump. Sorry to alienate yeah. people, but just the, it's the vanity that needs feeding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a question from Madison. Uh, she says, Hi, I love your podcast and I'm currently at the Modern English Monarchs. I have to admit, I have trouble seeing the Rex Factor in any of the post-Glorious Revolution Monarchs. What? It, it seems like whenever they try to get involved, they just end up getting in the way. I really enjoyed learning about the revolving door of Prime Ministers of Victoria's reign, but they were by far more interesting and influential than Victoria herself. Definitely. Have you ever wondered if the Rex Factor winners would have done equally well had they been born in a different era? I don't know that we have, you know. So she says, I imagine a modern-day Richard the Lionheart as an incredibly arrogant and generally irritating party boy. Oh, yeah, no, I thought you were definitely going with, like, a uh, he'd have a job in uh journalism but actually politics like Alistair Campbell but more like Malcolm Tucker <laughs> uh Charles II of course would have flourished in any time period well he might not have fared so well against the vikings i can also see a modern alfred being quite content to sit back and focus on his learning and religion although i doubt he'd be very popular with the public mm yeah i can't i can't see charles lasting in the 21st century he'd get i mean He's the ultimate Harry or Diana tabloid fodder, wouldn't he be? Charles II, this is. Yeah. He'd be all over Twitter constantly. He'd be made to abdicate. He'd be terrible. Although at the same time, his charm, his wit, he'd sort of... He'd, I bet he would be able to do a TV interview very, very well. Yeah, he's no Andrew. <laughs> he'd have of course I remember. I was having a hilarious time taking lots of drugs. And yes, <laughs> yes I did, but not with her. No, I didn't. <laughs> But yeah, but it's also maybe wandering ones like Henry III, who was pretty rubbish at the time, getting captured by Simon de Montfort. Edward had to rescue him. Um, and he just busies himself making Westminster look lovely. Mm. But you think, actually, transfer him into the 20th century, he suddenly seems a much more appropriate monarch. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Whereas, you know, taking Edward I into the 21st century, and he perhaps seems less well suited well yeah i mean all the ones that fail in medieval times have it seemed to be so far that they failed for reasons that would do them well in the 20th century they were a bit uh, no nice. 19th century yeah i mean even even edwig who had such terrible digestive problems mm. if he was a monarch now it just Ed red Ed red 
Edwig yeah. was the threesome one. Oh, yeah. He could just have them sorted out and just be quite... You know, even if he came out of it quite uh, disabled somehow, he'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's quite an interesting question. So if uh, anyone listening, if you can think of interesting examples of monarchs who would or would not have done well in a different time period, uh, I imagine either ones that would do really, really well or ones who would really quite hilariously fail. <laughs> who do you think then? Who was, uh, who's a good one that you're imagining? Well, it's not a funny one. As I said, like a Henry III, a Henry VI, the ones who mm. are quite pious and not really up to the hard, nasty job of being a medieval king, I think would be much better. Yeah, they'd be better suited. As a more modern more modern monarch, sort of early 20th century. It's, it just, it's just the case, I think, really, that we've had Elizabeth for so long that she's set such a firm precedent that mm. anything that isn't her way of being a monarch now would be too outrageous and monarchy would crumble you've got to just be whatever it was she was Mm. which is fine just keep your head down Mm -hmm. anyway send in uh, any thoughts that you've got on uh, examples of that so finally I thought we'd finish off with some consort limericks Louise's ones Uh, yeah Louise um, who we often do in the privy chamber we normally do these limericks don't we yeah we've definitely done uh, some or at least started on the main podcast yeah so Louise Brimacombe is sending in a limerick for every one of the consorts which are stunning and worth the um, not published should mention just just sends them in to us but they are worth uh, getting privy councillor access for and uh, from Ali's perspective, this is entirely how he is actually understanding who is who in the consort series. So good. Now, it's been a while since we did one, so we've got two to do here. So we've got Eldgith of Mercia, who is no the idea. consort of uh, Harold Godwinson, 1066 and all that. So let's see mm-hmm. if this rings any bells. When he needed a northern connection, Lady Eldgith was Harold's selection. This filled her with dread, for her first husband's head was part of his trophy collection. <laughs> this is brilliant. That is so good. That is so good. Uh, because, just checking for anyone who can't remember, because it's been a while, uh, Harold II needed some support up north, married Eldgith of Mercia, who was obviously from Mercia, but she had originally been married to, uh, oh, what was his name? There's a Llewellyn, and there's a Grufford, and there's an App. <laughs> what Llewellyn Lap Grifford <laughs> Or is it Grifford at Llewellyn Just checking on the old Grifford at Llewellyn uh, Who is the only King, uh, crown king of Wales And she was thus the only uh, Queen of Wales but his life came to an end uh, Because of Basically an English invasion led by Harold II And uh, we've also got one for Matilda of Flanders Consort of William the Conqueror Mm-hmm Matilda, once spurned by a thane, chanced years later to meet him again. Now newly enthroned, she took all he owned, and it's rumoured she then had him slain. Nice. I like that. Because I'd completely forgotten about that part of her life. Yeah, these funny, shady elements of Matilda of Flanders that you don't quite expect. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, Louise, uh, in addition to just sending the the, uh, limerick for Matilda of Flanders, she also added this. I concluded while working on this that I'm on Graham's side regarding this queen. A solid performer. <laughs> I expect everything from her to be in poetry. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> a solid performer, but not much about her that provided good limerick inspiration and questions about how much truth there is to the story that I ended up using. Not quite that, quote, certain something. Oh. So, uh, well, yeah. Louise is with me on that one. <laughs> did I give it to her, did I? You said yes, and I said no. Oh, right. Oh. So anyway, thank you as ever, Louise, for those excellent, yeah. com, excellent, com, uh, excellent consort limericks. Uh, she's also sent in ones for the other ones up to Matilda of Boulogne, so we'll be reading those out in future episodes. Um, as I said, please do send in any of your favourite memories of Rex Factor. Let us know if you think you could be our longest-term listener, if you've got any exciting places where you've been listening, uh, and if you're able to, then go onto our Twitter account over the next few weeks and get voting in the uh, English Monarchs poll. Mm. Yes, please. I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out. Uh, we will be back in about a month. Well, no, in fact, we'll be back. So between this and the next episode uh, and the next anniversary episode, we'll also be releasing our special episode on the Roman general and statesman Sulla. Then it will be part two of the anniversary special. And after that, I will finally be doing Eleanor of Aquitaine. The big E and we're off again. Indeed. But you do need both kids back at nursery, realistically, don't you? That so is the magic thing. I can I can hear them clamouring, Graham, already. Saying, <laughs> I don't want these recycled Friends episodes. You give me the good stuff. Well, <laughs> give Graham a break, is what I say. <laughs> I was mess- When we were messaging about when we were going to be ready, I sort of messaged at about seven saying, oh, I'm, I'm ready now. I've, my bedtime duties are done. I can believe that. And then about 15 minutes later, I had to message and say, I've had to go back up again four times since I <laughs> yeah. proudly declared it was done. And we'd just finished, uh, it was a hair washing night, so we'd just sort of finished wrestling the cat in the bath, uh, <laughs> which is what Rue's like, I hasten to add, because I do have a cat. It's not. Yeah. I wasn't washing the cat. It's not actually the cat. But that's what he's like. Uh, so I was late as well, so yeah, you know, stuff. So anyway, on that note, thank you very much, everybody, for uh, listening to this. Thank you, and apologies for having to bear with us over the summer whilst I've not been able to get any episodes out, but as I said nursery means it can all time again exactly so get voting the twitter poll send in your memories look out for sulla and then it'll be elena see you next time cheerio